Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn. We're talking about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Crash Pass franchise. Well, sort of. We're mostly going to be talking about the original trilogy with also Crash Team Racing. That being the case, those are the ones made by the original creator or developers, Naughty Dog. So we're mostly going to stick with those, and depending on how it goes, we may add a couple honorable mentions in there as well. But as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, and before we get started, I just want to mention that uh, I mentioned this in the last episode, but we have a fan who created a subreddit for us. Um, so if you guys want to check it out, it's r slash weebspawn, where you can discuss our episodes, uh, talk about maybe possible future episodes, theories, and basically anything anime and game related. Just go and have a good time, spark discussions, and hopefully we can get some good activity on there. So yeah, go check that out. Just thought I'd mention that in the beginning of this episode. So... Crash Bandicoot is a video game franchise originally developed by Naughty Dog as an exclusive for Sony's PlayStation console. There are numerous installments created by many developers and all published on multiple platforms at this point, but as mentioned, it was originally a PlayStation exclusive. The series, consist, uh, the series consists of predominantly... Uh, of platformer type games, but it also includes spin-offs in the racing genre and party game genre. It was originally produced by uh, the series was originally produced by Universal Interactive, which later became known as uh, Videndi Games in 2007 and Videndi merged with Activision, which currently owns and publishes the franchise. Man, Activision, I swear <sighs> Whatever happened to them? I feel like they were like real big and then they got real small and now I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it was really weird because when the French newest franchise came out, I saw that it said Activision and I don't think it was until that point I realized they had any involvement with the Crash Bandicoot games. So that kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, they're but, more, uh, I feel like they're more just like publisher, if I'm not mistaken, than... yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true because, like, Activision Treyarch and stuff like that for the Black Ops and... Call of Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty. All that, but... Good uh, stuff. (laughs) Going off of Crash Bandicoot, if you don't know anything about them, they are a game that are mostly set on the fictitious Wumpa Islands in Archipelago pelago situated to the south of australia where humans and mutant animals coexist who would have thought australia would have been where this happens who would have thought australia where there's an enemy who's trying to murder things i i feel like that's pretty on par with australia anything there (laughs) tries to kill you so i don't think it's too out of the realm of possibility the protagonist of the series is a genetically enhanced bandicoot named crash whose quiet life on the Wumpa Islands is often interrupted by the game's main antagonist, Dr. Neo Cortex, who was the one who actually created Crash and now wants him dead as he is a failed experiment. 
In most games, Crash must defeat Cortex and foil his plans for world domination. Okay, two things I have to I have to say here. One, um, didn't really know that there was. I mean, I knew there was a storyline, obviously, but I never gave it consideration to what the storyline was or why Cortex wanted to kill Crash. Didn't know he was a failed experiment. Also, how... What was Cortex's plan? He took a bandicoot, which, if you look them up, are really adorable creatures that look not violent at all. How is he going to get world domination with a bandicoot? Like, if you're going to world domination get a kangaroo or a black mamba or something venomous that can easily kill people and then mutate it to be something powerful not this little tiny weird cute creature i just don't see how you're going to get world domination off of a tiny little mammal i yeah i (laughs) couldn't tell you either I remember when I first learned that uh, Cortex actually created Crash, I was like, oh, interesting. But, like, I never really understood, like, his purpose in doing it either. Like, I never understood that. And I I still don't to this day. I don't know (laughs) what uh, caused him to do this. Oh, he wanted to create an army of soldiers for the purpose of world domination. With genetically altered local wildlife. That that was his purpose. Pick, pick oh. stronger animals. <laughs> I, well, it I says guess Crash kind of proved himself. I was about to say, it says local wildlife. So maybe that was one of the uh, only things that uh, was uh, nearby or whatever. And because he didn't <laughs> become aggressive or whatever, that's why he's considered a uh, failed experiment. I suppose, but just leave him be. You ruined your entire plans because you are an idiot and went after this little creature. He could have, you could have just let him chill, live his life, took over the world, and it would have been fine if you didn't bring Crash into it. I don't know. He just seems like it was a, it was a dumb move on Cortex's part. Big oversight. But uh, yeah, so the first game of this installment is. The original just Crash Bandicoot. And I do want to mention, I don't know how we got into the Crash games and how we ended up starting at Crash Bandicoot. Because when Crash 1 came out, I was just being born. Actually, <laughs> I was I was born, I'm looking at it now, North American release was uh, September 9th. I was born 21 days after this game released. How did we end up playing this game in order when we weren't even picking up a controller until probably six years later? Probably roughly how we started playing Pokemon because that released a year after I was born and the same year you were born. And by the time we were like five or six, the second generation, I'm pretty sure it was already out by then. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's just weird. I don't... Yeah, we must have just probably saw, because this is what usually happens, at least for me, is I'll see a game and I'm like, wow, that looks really fun. And then like I'll look it up when it released or something and it's like, oh, this is actually a sequel. And I'm like, a sequel? And I'll go back and look at the, uh, the first one. Um, or maybe because 
it was not the first installment it was cheaper and so our parents bought the cheaper game and that's how we got it (laughs) you know that's probably the most base thing (laughs) that's that's probably pretty accurate that would be my guess but yeah it was definitely fun i have some fond moments of this game and some uh weird moments i randomly remember playing it because not only did i play it uh, i had a couple of like cousins who were the who's like six years older than me also play this game and help me out on certain levels yeah i wasn't as fortunate i didn't have any family who actually played most of the games i played i either got from you or from my brother i didn't actually have family who played these types of games not many of my friends played these types of games so really it was mostly influenced by you i played what you played so i didn't have the benefit of having a discussion with anybody else but you so i i learned everything from you and then i got i got hooked on these stupid games all because of your influence hell yeah (laughs) i wonder who started pokemon first I don't know. I know I got most of my Pokemon card collection from my brother and my games from my brother. I I don't know if I got you into it or if you happened to get into it at the same time I got into it. I was going to say, we either got it mutually or... Because I'm pretty sure the cards I definitely got from you because you had them and that made me want to collect them. Yeah. Um, But gaming-wise, I don't know who got what first because there's been it's been back and forth there has been games you've got me into like spectrobes was a game yeah. you had first uh and then uh i end up trying it and i liked it um i definitely well, think i of- probably had more i i think i influenced you more over the oh, years for sure. <laughs> but well, you definitely you had, had the, some you had the benefit of influencing me because I didn't really have uh, a system. I started with the Sega Genesis, and I didn't have a PlayStation 1, so I had to yeah, play that's... at your house. And then I didn't get a PlayStation 2 until the PlayStation Slim came out, and that was I think that's long... when I got it. You had a fat one. I oh, yeah, that. I did. Yeah, and then I think eventually you did get the Slim. But, um, yeah, I didn't have the benefit of getting the Slim until I was well into, like, sixth or probably sixth grade. And so I really didn't get to influence you all that much unless it came to, like, Nintendo DS games or Game Boy Advance games. Yeah, most of those are the... Yeah, I think you you definitely did the handheld. Because you... Yeah. Somehow you always had the handheld before me, and I had the (laughs) console before you, which is weird. Uh, and then a lot of my game influence came from when Blockbuster was still a thing. I would go to Blockbuster, like my dad would take me there, and yeah, family I could pick out a, a I could pick out a DS game because we had like this subscription service to where I could get a free game every week. Oh, I do remember days. that. So I could and... just go and grab any game off the shelf and play it and. Yeah, and I think that's probably how I got into Spectrobes for that short amount of time was because I just saw that and I'm like, cool, and grabbed it. Weren't you, or wasn't your dad also, like, 
early into Netflix as well. Oh yeah, he. So once Blockbuster, like, once it was on the horizon, where it's like this might not be the best, oper- like this might not be the best service to be into. He switched over to Netflix, where he could get the discs shipped to him every week. Yeah, and that's where you also you could get a free game every week too, yeah, or something. Or basically, you got one free game for because their one of their things was you can keep it as long as you want, but in order to rent something else, you got to return it. And right, so yep. I think that's where you got a lot of your games, and that's how you were able to do it. Yeah, yeah, that was man. Who would have thought? That's how we got into games. So there's a little bit of history for us, guys. <laughs> Who would have thought this Crash Bandicoot topic would go 15 minutes into us talking about how we got into video games, even more in-depth than the how we got into video games episode. We just, like, unlocked a bit of knowledge that all of a sudden started pouring out of Pandora's box here. That's what happens when you get nostalgia games. Yeah. God, good stuff. But, so yeah, that... that Crash Bandicoot. Back to that. So, a quick oversight for the uh, the plot of the game. So, because I'm learning some stuff about the plot, because I just mainly remember the gameplay. Because when I was younger, I probably didn't really care much. But yeah, so the Doctor Neil Cortex used an Evlov Evlov ray, basically an evolution ray. I, they spell it weird. Um, to genetically alter the local wildlife into an army of soldiers for the purpose of world domination. Among these soldiers is an eastern bard bandicoot named Crash, who Cortex selects to be the general of his army. Wow. And <laughs> if you know anything about the game, he is not an intelligent person, so. But the day before Crash is subject to the Cortex Vortex. A machine intended to brainwash him. He becomes attached to a female bandicoot named Tana. I thought it was Coco. Um, Crash is rejected by the Cortex Vortex and is chased out of the Cortex Castle, plummeting to the ocean below. As Cortex prepares Tana to be used in Crash's place, Crash washes up on a small island and resolves to rescue her and defeat Cortex. He's aided in his mission by Aku Aku, a witch doctor spirit who acts as a guardian of the islands. So that hmm. gives you premise, and uh, that's where you we start to meet the um, the bosses: Papu Papu, Ripper Roo, Cola Koala Kong, and uh, Pinstripe Pataru. Who, who is that one? Pinstripe. I want to see a picture. Do you remember? Because I remember pretty much all the other ones. I know Papu uh, Papu. I know Ripperoo. He's. I mostly had trouble with him in freaking uh, Crash Team Racing. He, okay, this guy is vaguely familiar. Um, hold on, let me. I'll give you a picture real quick. He's vaguely familiar, but I don't know. He's just like a mafia boss. I don't I don't know who this guy is. Koala uh Koala Kong was the uh was one of the people you liked to play in Crash Bash, wasn't it? Or along with Tiny. I love Tiny. Tiny Tiger. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
Okay, so I looked up Twana, and Twana's Crash's girlfriend. This is from the wiki, or the fandom wiki. Uh, is Crash's girlfriend who appears in Bandicoot, Crash Boom Bang, Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fueled, with cameo appearances in several other games. An alternate universe counterpart of Twana appears as a playable character in Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Like Crash, Twana is an ordinary eastern bard Bandicoot until she is taken from the jungle and genetically enhanced. So, I guess he must get over Twana pretty quick and he moves on to Coco. Oh, so they are different people. Yeah. Wow, the more you know. Yeah, interesting. Wow, we're learning lore, guys. <laughs> oh, I remember this chick now, Tawana. Or at least, I don't remember her from the original, but I remember her in, like, a different game. Hmm. Yeah, I don't recall her original uh, factor. I The one where she has, like, the colored hair, mm. that's the one I remember. I forget what game she was in, but... Interesting. Very. Um, yeah, so, Crash Bandicoot, there's a lot more to it than I originally <laughs> thought, honestly. Yeah, sorry, we're just, we're just learning as we go. I, I don't know what it was about this game that was so fun. I, I think it was just different from most of the games that we played at the time. Because, I mean, it was a side-scroller game, it was very simple. There wasn't a lot to it. You c collect your little wampa fruits and break boxes and kill baddies and beat up Cortex. But it's it's a very simple game. And I guess we were just very primitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was also the time when like Donkey Kong uh, was mm. like popular too for like the Nintendo sixty four. Um, so, like, these side-scroller-type games weren't... It wasn't like it wasn't unpopular at the time. And part of the reason they made this game, the original creators, uh, was because, like, these side-scroller action games were popular at the time. And I think it was just... It was because it was linear, it was easy to follow. And it was like you could see your progress like you could see yourself getting better because like you would get to a certain point and you're like oh this is where i missed the jump or oh this is where i died but now i have two extra lives i wonder what's waiting for me next and so it was very easy to see you getting better and there was no like tricky stuff to it it was just like go from point a to point b and don't die uh, and then the boss mini games were always fun. Oh, I love the boss mini games. So you had like, what was it? Like you complete like five levels, I think it was, and you usually had to fight like a boss either tiny, um, Ripperoo, Papu, Papu, um, all those type things. Because all the games are very similar, and to the fact that. It was like, beat these five levels or whatever, face a boss, move on to the next set of five levels. Kind of similar to Mario, where you would do, like, 
four or five levels, then you get to the castle, fight Bowser, find out Princess Peach is in another castle, and do pretty much <laughs> yeah. the same thing, but with different themed. And that was very much what Crash Bandicoot was like as well. Yeah, and I guess one of the things that were really appealing was the quick turnover in death to respawn. I think we've talked about this type of stuff before, but just the fact that you respawn very quick and the checkpoints are often enough to where you can retry basically as many times as you want. It's really appealing to fast-paced games like this. It works well. You can just keep trying at it. You can keep chugging. And it's really hard to set the controller down because you don't really have time to because you don't have the time to process like oh i'm i died I'm, I'm done it's one of those things you just keep going until you beat it and then once you beat it you want to just keep going yeah there was there was that where like i said it was very easy to follow and you got that like oh i got this far oh i got this far and it was very easy to like talk about too because then you could have been like oh how did you get past this certain part where you had to like double jump and hit the turtle and not die so confused and how i enjoyed it so much but then i bought the crash bash insane trilogy when it re-emerged in 2017 and as i was playing it, i'm just like god i remember why i love this so much it's just like it it's simple it's one of those like it simple really does work on like mm-hmm. certain things and it was just it, the game just works like i don't know how else to <laughs> do it because it really is a very like simple game and it's very linear and that's where a lot of like critics had problems with it was because of like how linear it was but I don't know, it was fun still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm reading a little bit about the first Crash Bandicoot game and Gavin and Ruben, the two co-creators of this game, they created the concept for Crash Bandicoot during a cross-country trip from Boston from Boston to Los Angeles. So, it took them like 3 days to come up with the concept for the game and I guess from there they put it into to motion so that kind of shows how simple the game was they came i assume the cross-country trip was in a car and not plane but it might have been a plane but yeah they in a few hours in a car they were able to just come up with this game and it became a hit and, <sighs> and it's like <laughs> this may sound bad for the game but like for me it's hard to distinguish between at least one through three because they are Mm -hmm. very similar and how they like define their levels because it it really was just like maybe not necessarily a side scroller but you only had one path it was either like you were going forward or you're running like towards the screen like if you remember those like boulder missions where a giant boulder is following you and you have to go and try and you're trying to get all the crates while you're dodging uh pitfall holes and other obstacles that are in your way yeah and 
It's kind of funny because in the most recent Uncharted game, they have a section of the game right in the beginning where you're playing that boulder level from Crash Bandicoot. And it was just a, such such a throwback of playing Crash Bandicoot on the PS4 in another game. It was kind of meta, but uh, since it was Naughty Dog. But yeah, it was fun. I hated that level. It was absolute garbage, but it was fun to replay it a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it was just like you had to you had to redo the level multiple times because when you first get it, you get a trophy, and then you had to do one where it was like a time trial where it, you were basically speed running the level, but there were yellow crates with one, two, and three on them, and if you broke those time would freeze for one, two, or three seconds. So that was how you were supposed to get there quicker, was you would get these pause time so you could keep going, and you would get a like green gem. And then once you had all of that, you had to... Oh, no, yeah. You would get a green... Or maybe the green gem was getting all the crates. No, I think green gem was the time trial and you got the purple crystal was when you got all the crates i think that's what it was let's see here i'm trying to pull it up real quick it may have not stayed a green gem but basically there was reason you had to like redo levels because you would get a trophy for just completing it a gem i'm pretty sure for the time trial and the crystal for getting all the boxes either way you would get either gem or crystal for getting all the boxes all the crates that are hidden throughout the world and there were even like hidden parts of the world that you would have to unlock as well and those could be annoying to try and beat because just how they situated it and like if you missed it you're you could do the whole game thinking you got everything and it's like you're missing 10 crates oh you didn't do that little bonus level mini game level that's in the game so if you didn't do that you missed out on those 10 crates so you couldn't get them yeah i always loved when you were going through the levels and you find those little hidden um pads that you jumped on and it took you to that side world to where you had to collect all the boxes and at the end you got like a little gem or something along those lines those were always my favorite parts because I loved trying to find them. And then I loved the fact that once you were in that world, if you died, it didn't take away from your health. So you could basically keep trying as many times as you want. But it's also very frustrating when you would go through it and you would miss like one box and such a frustrating event. Yeah, it was definitely... it When you were missed by one, that was like one of the worst feelings because if you missed it by like 10 or whatever you're like okay i missed like a complete area but when you miss like by one and you're just like where the frick was that and uh, that's always the worst is when when you come up just shy rather than missing like multiple (sighs) and i think you had to like the game forced you to be like have to do it because in order to get to like certain bosses you had to uh like have gems a certain amount of gems or 
crystals or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was always frustrating when you're a few crystals short. Yeah. Overall, this game, it brings back a lot of frustrations now that I'm, we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> From Crash Bandicoot 1 to Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back, I feel like the overall aspects of the game were pretty much the same. They were very similar. And like you said, you couldn't really distinguish them all that much when you went from one to the other. They were virtually the same game. I think Warped was slightly different. Warped definitely, kind of... like, it, the, the formula is still the same. Like, 100%. Yeah, but it but... started putting, like, a 3D aspect into the game. There were curves and dr- more drops. And I feel like they tried to take it to a, another level in terms of changing it up a bit. But the formula, yeah, it was it was still the same in that regard. Yeah. But uh it definitely Yeah, Warp definitely kind of changed it cuz it was more 3D-esque than the other ones, but it was still like it it, it was still a side scroller type thing where you still only went one way. Like there wasn't, yeah. it wasn't open world at all or anything like that. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking at the scores just that um, Wiki gives out, and it actually looks like Warped had the highest. Well, hold on. Okay, it, in the Crash Bandicoot two, Cortex Strikes Back, and just Crash Bandicoot, the score that it's giving us is from game rankings, and in Crash Bandicoot, Warped it gives a Metacritic. So it's not the same source, but Crash Bandicoot Warped has the higher rating out of the first three games, sitting at a 91%, whereas Crash Bandicoot 1 sits at an 80, and Crash Bandicoot 2 sits at an 89. Oh, wow. So they rated the original the lowest. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. Which I... Crash Bandicoot 1 and 2 are so similar. I don't see how the ratings jumped that like they don't I don't see how they varied that much. I guess for that I would say they kind of like organize 2 a little better than uh 1 because 1 it was like I felt if I'm remembering it correctly how you chose the levels and everything was very much like Donkey Kong or like Mario where you just move to the map of like yeah wherever you go so maybe they thought it was just trying to be like another donkey kong mario uh type game so they didn't have uh much to it but crash bandicoot 2 you had like actual portal rooms so you were in like the center and like you had stage one and you had like five areas you had to complete before you could face the boss and then unlock the new series. But then it was like, it was basically the same levels, but just different themed. That's, that's where it's like, I don't know why it was so much fun when it was 
literally like the same game, the same level you would do, but there would be something new about it. I guess because of that, because they didn't overly change things. So it was like you kind of still knew what to expect, but now like you got a new superpower or you got something new to it that made it you could do something new in the like the new level. I don't know how I don't know how to explain it properly. Yeah, no, I guess I could see that cuz it does add a new aspect of it. It makes it seem less of a clone to the other successful games that are out there because when you're not the first you're the last really um it makes it so they'll look at it and probably like okay they are doing their own thing they're not just trying to write off the success of this game they are actually trying to make it unique and make it their own so that probably did have a large influence in how people graded it but after these three games that's where the i f- that's where the 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 uh franchise i think started taking a little bit of a dip although we did end up playing oh actually i looked at the rating for the next game the next game has an 88 percent. but i guess the next game wow how did crash team racing get an 88 percent? i just feel like racing games don't do well in general i mean it for but it was the first racing game in this franchise or in this installment True. so i feel like that kind of had a influence um but it definitely i i mean i enjoyed it it was weird because it wasn't the power-ups were unique so it was like a lot of them were different than i don't know if mario kart was around during the time crash team racing came um because you because they made use of, like, all the different, what you want to call obstacles. Like, the TNT, you can shoot either forward or behind you, and it still, like, took three seconds to explode unless someone immediately ran into it. You had the nitro box, which was the green one that exploded right away. Um, you had, there was, like, this lightning ball thing. I forget what it was. I want to see if I can... Tracking Missile, which was pretty uh, standard. Um, you had a, you could get a shield, which was nice, because you could literally block anything. Um, there were the... Oh, the potions. The, um, the green and red potions that... Man, I'm not remembering any of this. The... <laughs> Who was it? Who's this? Who's the tall, skinny guy? Remember, not Cortex, but his like brother or whatever. Engine. Is that his name? I I forget. Uh, hmm. Let's see. Crash. I know Engine is. He's weird. No, Engine might be. Yeah, the big. Okay, the big electric oh, ball. Engine's the one with the. The big electric ball I was talking about is basically. The uh, blue shell in Mario Kart. Ah. Uh, and then there was a clock that slowed everyone down besides you. Yeah, 
So they had yeah, similar I, power-ups, but I feel like they interacted with you a lot differently than what like regular Mario Kart was because like you could get it was weird cuz you could get a regular one and then I forget how you could power them up, but there was a way you could get power-ups. So it changed the like it would change what it would do. So like for the shield, it would start out green, but then if you could power it up, it became blue and then it lasted like way longer and like the TNT would go from regular TNT to the nitro cart uh, and other things like that. So there was that little element into it. I forget exactly how you were able to like power them up, but the the levels I thought were really good because like a lot of the levels had many interactive elements to it. It wasn't just like a paved road and it was more luck of the draw on what power-ups you got but like almost every map they had some kind of hazard like there wasn't there wasn't any map that didn't have hazards if i'm remembering correctly yeah <laughs> maybe at God, the beginning. i i have forgotten so much about crash team racing i yeah all this is like basically new to me <laughs> I remember Crush Tag Team Racing, but I don't remember any of the power-ups and, gosh, anything about it. I remember one of the things, I remember two bosses a lot from Crash Team Racing, and it was Papu Papu and uh, Ringing Roo, or whatever his name was. And I only remember that because one with Ringing Roo is that mother fricker would always (laughs) put out those green nitro carts. And so if he got ahead of you, like he spammed those cards, like every three seconds, he would place down a nitro box. So if you hit that, you were screwed because there was like no catching up. So you had to like get in front of him and stay in front of him because then he was useless because he didn't get any other power-ups besides the nitro cards. So if you could manage to get in front of him, you were golden. But if you were... Behind him, it was so hard because even if you had missiles to, like, lock onto him, those crates would just show up and block it. So it was annoying. And then the Papu Papu one, we were in, like, a ruin-type like map, and there were a lot of tight corners that you actually had to, like, drift into in order to, like, not hit them. And Papu Papu's car had, like the best handling in the like entire game. So like that was that was the point of this match was you had to rely on the power glide, power slide, whatever it was called, and that was annoying to deal with because oh my god, I I, I couldn't. <laughs> that was so annoying. That seems like it'd be a really annoying move. I yeah. But the racing games <sighs> It's still shocking to me that there. I guess there is a. Now that you've explained it all, there is a lot to it, so I can see how it was so highly rated. But just for a racing game, I just don't see how it's so high. Because, how, so before looking, how high would you rate the next game? Because the next game was a party game, and that was Crash Bash, which we played all the time. Um, honestly, without. So this is without bias. I would 
personally rate it higher, but if I'm saying like a non am I going out of like a hundred percent? Is that what I Yeah. I would say like a seventy six. Seventy six. Okay. So this game, Crash Bash, was rated sixty eight. That is much lower than I expected. Okay, to be fair, I would say the main critique that they have of it is the repetition. Because mm. um, for those of you who don't know Crash Bash, uh, like you had four or five levels into this because uh, it was the same premise. You had many games you beat in order to unlock the boss. And this one you could play cooperatively, which was really nice. And the first level, you'd have five mini games. You just need five trophies to unlock the first boss, which is almost always Papu Papu. That's the reason why I remember his name so much. Uh, and then when you warp to the next room, you have six mini games. And basically, the first five are the exact same as the original but with either like an added twist to it. So there's one that we called hell, which is pinball. And mm-hmm. you would have to, that's actually the, that's actually the image on the wiki is the pinball. one. <laughs> and so like the very original one, each, cause it's always four players. You're always fighting against four players. And if you had a partner, it's always two V two. So imagine each person and we're sharing a screen, by the way, this isn't split screen. Like, you share a screen. So I'm on the bottom, he's on the right, and then the other two people on the left and up. And so a pinball comes down, and just like, kind of like air hockey, you have, if you press square, you hit off this, like, force field, and you can shoot the pinball really fast to try to get into the end goal, and everyone starts with 20 lives. And so that's the original. Nothing fancy, just that. Then you go on to the second one, and now there's power-ups in this, where you can get something that automatically blocks your like goal with like this electric force field. And so if you end up getting it, uh, the balls will just bounce back and basically save you. And if you go to the third warp room, one of the gimmicks was you can actually stick the pinballs hold them on your little thing, and then shoot them out really fast instead of just using your little force field. So it was basically the exact same game, but they had like some other gimmick added onto it. So unbiased opinion, that would be my reason why they gave it such a low score is because basically you had the core five mini games. You would go on to the next room and you'd have the same five mini games but with an added twist to it and then a new game for the sixth and then when you went to the next warp room you'd have seven mini games and it was basically the exact same thing it was the same six from the previous game with a new one added on to it so my guess is their gripe would have been the like continuity of it being like this same thing or the fact that you would have to go back because the first boss only required trophies where the second boss was like, oh, you need 11 trophies, which is basically at least beating all the games. But then you also need six gems and three crystals. So it made you do other things where the 
like I said, Jen was always the time-oriented one. It was just basically you had a win in a shorter period of time, and the crystal always put you at some kind of disadvantage. Where like pinball, it would be we only had 12 lives while the enemy had 20 lives. So my guess is their gripe was the fact that it was the same level, just quote-unquote, we skin. But I think adding that extra element really does change it. And it's like, do you really expect them to come up with like 50 different mini games for completely different mini games for each level? No, that's unreasonable. Yeah. So you're you're pretty on par actually with the reasoning behind the low scores because um, reviewers widely it says reviewers widely compared the game to Mario Party and then the upcoming Sonic Shuffle. Uh, while perceiving a lack of depth and originality, and they never, and but nevertheless, they regarded the multiplayer experience as enjoyable. So the depth and originality, I think, comes in with the repetition of the games, because it's not very original if you're just repeating the same games over and over again. So I think you're pretty on point with why it got such a low score. That's a pretty accurate breakdown of which I think is stupid because, like, a lot of times the new gimmick. So the only one I would say is the uh, the pinball one because, I mean, to be fair on them, it's very hard to change a pinball style thing. And they did it pretty good because you had to play differently because in the one warp room, remember when that one person would show up in the middle and then just spin around and spit out pinballs at random uh, directions like you had no idea where they were coming from? Mm -hmm. Uh, but that again made it completely different like you had to play way different than like the original and i felt like the original were there because they're just like all right here's the premise of what all these mini games are going to be like now we're going to make it harder for you and the next one so i don't think the repetition was that bad it just sucked that like some of them when you had to get to like the like 35 trophies 20 gems and 13 crystals and you had to like choose your poison because like some of them were just so unfair like when we got yeah. to the higher ones for the pinball it was like there was i think one time we only had like like single digit lives in pinball and then they still had like 20 and it was like are you kidding me <laughs> like not only are we like more than half their or whatever like their lives or less than half their lives now we we had to do the whole thing with all these gimmicks and all this shit with higher ais and it's just like oh my god it made it so much harder but i really enjoyed it i did too i really it was just a fun party game and i don't know it was one of those ones that we played for hours and hours because i think we strive to just keep getting better and just absolutely obliterate the competition. I'm sure there were some times where we played to not lose ever, like not lose any games, because that's the type of people we were. This was a really good one. But um, this is the downturn of the series, because I was going through all the other games and their critic ratings. And from here until the most recent games... Uh, until the Insane Trilogy in 2017. 
there has been no game that got above a 78 in its score. Which... Uh, and the average being in the 60s, I would say. So the highest rated game since uh, the Crash Bash was... Let me find it real quick. I lost Drum it. Roll. I, da, 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 da. Of, I have a lot of tabs <laughs> open. Uh, yes, yeah, so that would be a Game Boy Advance game. It was Crash Bandicoot, the huge oh, adventure. I thought it would have been purple with Spyro. No, that one actually didn't do so hot. Really? Yeah, let me but find that to one. To be fair... Well, Purple, purple got. Oh, so Crash Purple got a sixty-seven. Cra- uh, Spyro Orange got a sixty. The counterpart oh, wow. to the purple, which I played Spyro Orange back in the day. I really liked it, but I had that was the first Spyro game I ever actually played, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. But I never played the Crash Bandicoot Purple, but yeah, that got a sixty-seven. Hmm. Interesting. And to me, it's not too surprising because Crash Bandicoot 1 through 3 and then Crash Team Racing were all done by Naughty Dog. And as you can see from their other games, Jack and Dexter, Uncharted, The Last of Us, they're a really good company. And Crash Bash and Crash Bandicoot, The Wrath of Cortex, the next two installments, that uh, that's about the experience we have with them. Um, had Uricom with them, which I think they did a good job with their two games that they had. Like we said, we absolutely love Crash Bash. It's probably one, one of our favorite Crash Bandicoot games. Um, and I really enjoyed Wrath of Cortex because it took a different spin. It took what Wart did and added on to it. And then after 2002 with the huge adventure, uh, Crash Bandicoot went through like multiple different developers like there was no real same developers that stayed with it for more than like one game so i think that's where it also kind of didn't help crash as a series because it was like people just wanted to make a game or something out of it because they were like oh this mascot or this character is popular so let's try making something and i think that's what really went down with it while naughty dog still had it it was like their game they were making a trilogy they were making their story um trilogy plus the spinoff and crash bash and bandicoot at the cortex at least it stayed the same developer and you can kind of see that with how they did it because crash bash they very much stuck with like the original formula of the different warp rooms and everything like that and same with Wrath of Cortex, but one thing I kind of forgot to mention during Warped that was a cool new feature that they added compared to the other one was every time you beat a boss, you got like a power up. Uh, one of them was like uh, you could belly slam now after the first boss. After the second boss, you got a double jump. So it made traversing the different worlds a little different. Or, like, you had to go about it differently. And Rather Cortex built on that as well, where they made it so after every boss, you got a new power-up or, like, this unique new thing. And that new thing, 
you would have to use in the next portal room and so on and so forth. Every time you got to the next area, you would have to have those moves that you wouldn't be able to complete otherwise. So that's one thing I think the downfall, it could be a little bit nostalgia bias, but I think that is one of the reasons for the downfall is just the different developers and the, um, not being the same. And then yeah. it mostly, I was looking at the game, it mostly turned into a racing game. A lot of the a lot yeah. of the Crash Bandicoot <laughs> things are Crash Bandicoot racing, and I'm just like, it's not just a racing yeah, game. Yeah, they, they were turning those out pretty quickly. Um, and I think one of the issues is every time you, you swap hands, every time a new developer comes into play, they want to put their own stamp on it. They want something in there that is them. And I think as you do that, you have to take away things. And eventually you're becoming a derivative that is no longer crash or no longer true to its origin. And each time you do that, it becomes less and less uh, what you expect it to be. So then your ratings get worse. The worst rating was this garbage game that came out in... Um, this one came out in 2006. It was Crash Boom Bang. It was a Nintendo DS game. It looks like it's just a party game thing. It is. It looks terrible. It got a 37. Oh my god! Uh, it was. Re- it, looking at the picture, it's no longer Crash. It's something completely. What different. did uh, Crash of the Titans get? Crash of the Titans, that one got a 70 on PlayStation 2. Its lowest was Xbox 360, and that was a 65. It's weird that, that it was like... Yeah. yeah, I don't really under... On the Wii, I got a 69. But uh, yeah, that that one's... it. Honestly, not as low of a score as I expected from based on some of the other ones. And actually, Crash the... Uh, where is it? Dang it. I have too many tabs. <laughs> I'm trying to find the newest game. The. Which. It was. Or not the newest, but the. Uh, ah, Insane Trilogy. Oh. That one. That one got a. On a PS4, it got an 80. The lowest was PC, and that was 76. Hmm. I think. I mean, it was just, I feel like a lot of it nostalgia, but also um, updated graphics and everything. It's it's Mm -hmm. just a remastered, exactly what it said. And it was the original trilogy made by uh, Naughty Dog. So, uh, who? End of Toys for Blob, Iron Galaxy, Vicarious Visions. They're the ones, Toys for Blob also... Toys for Bob also did a few different uh, Crash Bandicoot games, so that explains why um, it is how it is. Because some of it I didn't remember. I was like, this seems a little different from the original, but they may have changed a few things based on new uh, specs and stuff like that. But yeah, overall, oh, Toys Toys for Bob. It looks like they went on. To do the Spyro the Reignited trilogy, Sky they did Skylanders. I never played any Skylander games yeah, or anything. I didn't either. Uh, so they did. A, but yeah, they, they did Spyro they and Crash Bandicoot 
remastered versions. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Crash Bandicoot yeah. started it all. It was very much like I would say kind of like Donkey Kong but 3D and you just went from one place to another and the story kept going forward. I honestly don't remember too much of the original. I more remember uh, Crash Bandicoot 2 and onwards because Crash Bandicoot 2 was when you got those warp rooms where you would play the five games, beat the boss, have a boss level, unlock the next one, and it was very similar to the games you played originally, but different thematic-wise. Like, uh, for instance, in the first area was that giant boulder we talked about earlier, and then the second one, uh, I think it was the second one, might have been the third one, but there was a giant polar bear that chased you. But it was essentially the same level, but different themed or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that was a thing also in the third one. They had one similar, but I'm pretty sure a Triceratops was chasing you. Yeah, it could have been because there were four section, four or five sections. I forget all the if you fought every boss. It was always a mix between Papu Papu, Tiny, uh, the one laboratory engine person, uh, his brother, who I thought was his brother there, the skinny head Cortex guy. Uh, then you had Ranger or the the mouse person. I, I totally forgot his name. <laughs> uh, and then also the crocodile. Uh, but he was more in Warped. I don't think he was in Crash Bandicoot 2. I think he was in Warped. Um, but Warped was fun because I did like getting the new superpowers. I thought that was a nice touch they add to it. Every time you beat the boss, you got uh, the different superpowers. And the boss levels were pretty fun. Um, but it was the very same formula. Like, nothing really changed. But I thought it worked because... I don't know, maybe nostalgia bias, but I still really enjoyed them. Crash Team Racing, I think, did good to stick with the, like, the original, I don't want to say, like, purpose of the game, but, like, it stayed true to the characters. That's what I wanted to get at. Uh, especially, like, the boss levels where uh, it really captured their, like, personality for each of them. And the drops were very, like, what you would expect from a Crash Bandicoot game. Uh, it felt very fitting in that universe. So I definitely enjoyed it. Crash Bash, probably my favorite one because it was a party game. It was just fun to play with friends. Doing all the different levels, even if they said the repetition, blah, 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 bullshit. I still think the new gimmick... <laughs> I wouldn't say made it completely different, but it did make you have to play differently than each yeah. one. So while it may not look like the same level, it was definitely a different level. You could easily tell them apart. Um, and then Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex, we didn't get a chance to talk too much about that. But uh, that's the last one we mainly played. And that one, again... I really liked the fact, going back to Crash Bandicoot Warped, where every time you beat a boss, you got a new power-up. So now you had a new way to play these different levels. And the boss battles were really cool in that one because you had to 
they were very unique. Like the the very first one, you were in like this cage thing, and there were like three meteors going around, and you had to hit them to change colors. And once you got all three of them to change your color, it would do damage to the boss, and you had to do that like four or five times or whatever. All the while, the boss is also hitting them to try to change them colors and trying to hit you. And it was just like each of those. Boss battles in the Wrath of Cortex were very unique compared to what the uh, original had. So I still hold that one in pretty high regard as well. Damn. I think you basically covered it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't have very much recollection of after Crash Bass, like Wrath of Cortex. I didn't really, like, we played Crash Tag Team Racing and this and that. But yeah, I think the highest accolades are with the first five-ish games. That might be some nostalgia speaking, or five, first six games. But yeah, we had some good times with those. I did get the Insane Trilogy, the remake, because obviously, why not? And yeah, it was just so fun to be able to play it and just realize how Crash was and what it, how it came from where it is to where it is now with the remaster and just the artwork and everything it's just a good game and i'm glad we got to be able to talk about it for a little bit yeah and uh i think it's a pretty self-explanatory question of the day is what is your favorite crash bandicoot game there's plenty to choose from and plenty that are the wrong (laughs) answer (laughs) absolutely If if you choose crash boom bang you are no longer... Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Honestly, though, if if someone actually enjoys Crash Boom Bang, I would love to hear why. Because it has such a low score. I've never played it. So I'm just purely basing it on the such low score. So if you are one of those few who actually enjoys that, that you would call it your favorite game, I would be very interested to find it out why yeah i would i would like to hear that too because that's that'd be fun <laughs> i want to hear your arguments for it and yeah just that'd be cool and to sign us out with some facts in 1998 koro koro comics developed a manga series titled crash bandicoot dance de jump uh, nandai boken and this is loosely based on the events of crash bandicoot 2 uh, cortex strikes back the series was drawn and produced by Ari, Karo, Ari Kawashima, and with only two manga volumes being ty- uh, published to date, leaving the total number of comics unknown. And in 2007, the animation picture company produces four web short films to uh, produced four web short films to promote the game Crash of the Titans, uh, and these were titled uh, Crash Bandicoot: No Use Crying. Uh, Crash Bandicoot Monster Truck, Bandicoot uh, Title Idol, and Bandicoot have another, all lasting for about three minutes. Hmm. And that'll be it for this episode, so don't forget to sh- show us some love and support on patreon.com slash webspawn. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at webspawn, and you can contact us at webspawn at gmail.com. That'll be it from us today. Thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weeb spawn.